it was strange it was this kind of feeling uh, it's the it's the end maybe and um and you were worried because I knew that if I'm missing the the next GPs, it gonna it was still six GPs to to race. Um, then I will I will lose a lot. I will lose this uh, this ability to to go fast uh, in MotoGP. So I was worried and feeling beginning of the end. Welcome to Last on the Breaks. We're back with you this week from the Gran Premio Michelin de Aragon. And we're talking to someone I think pretty interesting, which is Johan Zarco. And we're going straight into it with obviously this race last year. A little bit of a tougher time for him. I think it's a good chat. It is. Yeah, really. He really opened up. We asked for about 20 minutes. We got 45 nearly. So absolutely fantastic stuff from Johan Zarco. Not only did he really open up about what he was feeling here last year, uh, a real tough time in his career. Thought it was over, as you heard in the teaser just then. But thankfully it wasn't. Thankfully now you find out that he's actually a very happy man, uh, which is really good to see. And something else interesting that we brought up, we wanted to get to know how Johan really started in racing because he was a bit of a late bloomer, wasn't he? He was, yeah, not to cause too many uh, comparisons just because of his passport, but it did remind me, didn't say this at the time, of Alain Prost, who also started a little bit later in his career after right. he went karting on a family holiday. Well, I thought it was a nice French parallel. Well, interesting <laughs> enough, I mean, as you're going to hear, Johan's dad actually did try to take him karting and Johan saw the motorbike and went, no, I want to do that instead. Amazing story. Wait for it, no problem. And that brings us on to the question of the day, talking to Johan Zarco, a bit of a late bloomer. It's question of the week, really, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't um, want to correct you. <laughs> yeah, question, question <laughs> of the week. Uh, someone like Johan Zarco, a double murder two world champion, makes us wonder, well, are young riders uh, rushed into the premier class too much? We bring up names such as like Jack Miller, who, of course, skipped Moto2. Johan Zarco, a two-time Moto2 champion. What do you reckon, Fran? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you have the likes of Pedrosa, Lorenzo. They both kind of did the double intermediate class glory before they moved up. Uh, and then you have, like you say, Jack Miller skipped the intermediate class entirely. And now, you know, he has won a premier class Grand Prix and he's on the MotoGP podium pretty often nowadays, yeah. heading into a factory seat. But it is an interesting question. It's experience versus youth always. I'm not honestly sure. I think it depends on the individual, but sometimes it does make me a little bit nervous to see the pressure that it brings for some of the younger guys. But yeah. then we have seen guys like Fabio also manage that fantastically well. Yeah, it's really interesting, the the too much too soon complex. I call it Justin Bieber syndrome, when someone's <laughs> too young and they all of a sudden get given the world almost. Uh, what can that actually do to their mentality and actually their, their potential, which is the whole reason why they've been brought there. But in, in Johan's case, I thought it was, it was hilarious how when Johan came into MotoGP, got the pole positions, podiums, contender for a win, still searching for that win, everyone went, oh, hey, we can get slightly older guys, guys who are about 25 or older again. Yeah, let's, let's start hiring those, no problem. Then Fabio Quattararo comes in a couple of years later, a 19, 20-year-old, and now everyone's like, young guys, and I can't wait to see who's yeah. the next. Who's the ne <laughs> I mean, it feels so, I mean, I'm 26. It feels weird to say old guys who are my age being brought into MotoGP, and I know you're a little bit older. And then you have my age uh, <laughs> yeah, bracket but, uh, of the veterans. Yeah, exactly. But no, it is, you know it I mean? is a strange one, and yeah. especially as well when you had the kind of situation recently where it's been Marquez winning the title, a lot of the rush at times has seemed to be 
factories trying to find the next Marquez. Or the Marquez beta. But then the guy who's been pushing him hardest, certainly over the course of a season, has been veteran Andrea Davizioso. Yeah. So it's an interesting one. But uh, I think uh, Johan's a good person to weigh in on that a little bit. Like I said, he's... uh, yeah, the only person so far to have taken a back-to-back Moto2 crowns. Because yeah. Rabat did remain in the class, but he didn't quite do it. Obviously, Johan is the guy who stopped him. He's also the only rider to stay well past his... Well, I was going to say well past his welcome on the podcast. He was welcome for as long as he stayed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, only asked for 20 minutes. And he said he enjoyed telling stories for about 45 minutes. So I guess without further ado, take it away. Us chatting to Johan for 45 LA, LA. minutes. Hey. Johan Zarko, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome Happy to the you. show. He started very Hollywood. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hey, um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, we were here, when we were here last year, you arrived in your motorhome looking for a ride. True. Now, I left the circuit, I think it was on Thursday, and you went for a bike ride. And as you leave the circuit, there's this beautiful road out of the track, and it overlooks this amazing landscape. And you were riding out there. Do you remember that, that bicycle ride? Um, uh, yeah, now now you are telling me I remember, but I think I was not, yeah, I was not on the track. I, I went yeah, 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 outside, yeah, of, outside exactly. of the track and um, I did 50Ks just to, because, you know, I was, yeah, uh, a strange moment where just a few days, two days before KTM told me, don't come, don't come anymore. Yeah. And I said, but I will come. Uh, I will, I need to pick up my stuff and you need to look for a job leave the apartment uh, it's like uh, leaving a girlfriend you you need I was to gonna say it's like a stuff. breakup no you can't just leave all your stuff in the so house so then coming getting up to my, my room my office and I, I had to to go somewhere to cycling a little bit and uh, and uh, clear your head uh, yeah clear the head because that's the thing it looked like it was almost like something out of a film the sun was setting it was almost getting dark you're out there with this amazing view and you're driven here to search for a job to, to, you know, continue your career and stuff like that. What was that moment like for you? Was it was it as sort of wow, like a movie we've really scene? started with the happy I know, I know, stuff, I, haven't we? I, just, I just want to ask, because it really stick. I, I thought about that moment since then, because it was just such a an amazing sort of thing to see. What was that? What was that moment like for you here? It was strange. It was this kind of feeling. Uh, it's the it's the end, maybe, and. Um, and you were worried because I knew that if I'm missing the the next GPs, it gonna it was still six GPs to to race. Um, then I will I will lose a lot. I will lose this uh, this ability to to go fast uh, in MotoGP. So I was worried and feeling beginning of the end, but quite um, uh, not to. Too long after, uh, even during the, the race weekend, uh, the voice about Honda that Nakagami need a, a surgery to the shoulder was coming up, and so then can be interesting if you are if you are free to to try the Honda. Hmm. So some hope were there, but clearly the beginning was maybe it's it feels the end, and um, and you feel strange. <laughs> I think okay. I remember as well Valentino when you both talking about something similar in a press conference i think his was about ducati and how when you just don't feel like things are working and you have to make that decision of like okay i actually don't enjoy doing this now and i'm not coming to the track going like yeah i'm a motor gp rider it's just constantly trying to get through it how how do you bounce back from that 
and then suddenly switch when you have this new opportunity, but it's a completely different bike. So you know it'll be another difficult thing to adapt to. Is it just, yes, let's go? Or what about the self-belief to think, no, I can do this, let's go again and reset? Um, I was, I could not really believe I'm, I'm over right now. That's why I decided to, to quit. And, um, and then, yeah, when I, I need few answers for, for myself, uh, clearly during the 2019 season, some doubt came, uh, came on me and, uh, I cannot always be, uh, selfish and sure about me telling, I know everything. And, uh, the, the thought is only on the bike. So I was also wondering myself, but to have clear answer, uh, some competitive bike, be sure the bike is working. For me, it was a way to, to clear my mind also about these doubts. And um, so I was hoping to, to catch a bike where I can sit on and think, I know the bike can do well, so now do yourself. That on the KTM because it was a, a full development and uh, a big work that maybe I was not ready to do. Uh, I could not really think in that way. And even when I was trying to clear the mind, say, okay, the man can do much more than the bike, I was crashing. So that's why then you, you, you are a bit lost. I can imagine. And then on the Honda, of course. Now this season, it's a little bit different. I think there's a lot of debate in the paddock about man machine with Mark obviously having been injured so much. Uh, but last season as well, there was a lot of pressure for you then taking that bike, but you must've felt quite proud of immediately really making progress and showing like, actually, you know, I, I can do this and uh, I'm gonna show you what I've got. Clearly, and that's overall in Malaysia because when I, mm -hmm. I start in Australia, was so three races break, staying at home, cycling, uh, running, doing stuff. But then coming to Australia, see the bike and was not so easy, but then the guys could really give me some advices that uh, because I'm still a good rider, I was able to, to do and then see quickly the improvement. And this immediately gave me a great feeling. And even from them, they were happy to see with just few information, I, I can do it. But then Malaysia was the best weekend uh, on the Honda mm. and fighting in eighth position, but then crashing, but not because of me. Yeah, that's almost clean everything. Say, okay, he's there, he, he can do it. And just for me also. So um, um, it helped me a lot also then to have Ducati contract because when Ducati saw that things, they were thinking, okay, now uh, he's really a, a rider we, we can take. So uh, it helped me a lot. <laughs> I, talking to you, I mean, one of the reasons why we wanted to speak to you, we, we wanted to talk to you in all the way back at the start of the season, but obviously you weren't in guitar with MotoGP. You're one of the most, I think one of the most fascinating characters we have in MotoGP. Your, your career up to now is just such a unique story, double Moto2 champion and... And you've now ridden, apart from the Aprilia, every MotoGP bike, right? Every I manufacturer. I think that's more than anyone now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. So <laughs> I want to, like, did you, um, we want to go back uh, in a moment to how your career started, how you first rode bikes. But first I wanted to ask you, did you ever expect your MotoGP career to 
go in this direction? Did you ever have any expectations? Um, you cannot really expect uh, the only thing you can hope and dream is uh, a world title. A world title in MotoGP. Clearly, I got two in Moto2. I did fight in the 125cc category also for the title. So every category fight for a title. This is the, the main dream. Then when you catch it, almost catch it in 125, you do it in Moto2, you catch it twice and you try in MotoGP. And as long as I believe I can do it in MotoGP, um, I'm pushing myself, but clearly difficult to to expect, to, to imagine uh, the, the way to, to go. Um, I think I've been kind of particular because I was really close to my ex-coach or manager. We were a lot together and we did also a really special way compare some of the riders. That already these things um, made me a bit special, we will say. But then when I grew up a bit more, I had to to split also with this guy. And from that, I show from myself another another side of myself. And that's why we can really, I guess, the people are seeing these different faces from me, but the main target remained there. And that's why they like, because having this life adventure that you, anyway, you can have it in MotoGP, but this is life adventure. It's not only the sport. Uh, doesn't help you to be strong in your sport, but you're always there fighting for it. And I think this uh, brings the, um, the, um, the, the pleasure for the people to, to see how oh, we like him because it's not easy for him. Uh, mm. it's, I think easy for no one, um, but maybe I got few few moments where we can say, it's down, it's over. No, it's not over as long as I can believe it. <laughs> People always love this, don't they? Like in a Hollywood film, you always have like the comeback story. And when uh, you see people dominate. That's why now there is also a movie um, now coming, uh, oh, yeah. coming out. Uh, a French guy did it. Uh, really, on all this, from all this life. And, uh, and now we could, now he's now coming the, the movie because with the Ducati is working well, so Wait, a new breath and a we movie continue. about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fantastic. I, I, I didn't should know about bring this. it there, the, the DVD. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I will, I will give you one. And um, so you are. It's not just like a Hollywood movie. Now it's a now, yeah. French full <laughs> movie about you. <laughs> Clearly, it's not the same movie than eating the apex. Uh, that yeah, yeah. It was showing how is MotoGP world with all the action. For me, it's more what is Zarco stories. So. Almost you need to appreciate uh, Zarko to, to watch the movie, mm. but you can learn quite a lot of things. So yeah, the, a guy already did it. We work uh, three years and a half to, to do oh, it, oh this my movie. Goodness. So I would say it's, uh, we <laughs> okay. already have a little bit of this story in the movie now. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we look forward to that. It's Christmas time, eh? But I think because what's interesting about you as well is that in a lot of motorsport now, here with Jack Miller moving from Moto3, MotoGP, Fabio suddenly going from one Moto2 win to where he is now, and then in Formula One with Max Verstappen being so, so young when he got the seat, there seems to be a massive rush sometimes to get people just into the car or on the bike as soon as possible. 
you're kind of exactly the opposite <laughs> and you've done the kind of old school like you almost won the one two five title moto two defended it which no one had done since lorenzo no one's done it in moto two other than you do you think that's helped you and what do you think of that culture to rush because now we see you you're podiums this season already we see someone like Andrea Davizioso he's an older rider than a lot of the hype guys but he's fighting for the title every year do you think there are two sides to it I think to to have a strong experience help anyway not in every point because what is easier to catch young guys it's when you give them uh, advices if they are open enough to to listen them and apply them then they are getting very strong typically the um, the example with uh, with Fabio with uh, Jack Miller it has been a little bit different because he did not start with a very strong bike and he's have been struggling a lot but we are thinking anyway uh, he will get all the experience in MotoGP so um, soon or late it will be strong and it is now strong so for my way uh, it has been different and I think it helped me to to yeah to, to be an adult to to perform and uh, but when you are an adult sometimes you think a bit too much and that is not <laughs> helping at 300 case per hour mm. it's good to be clever because if you don't have a, a brain, it's better don't race because then you are... You <laughs> That's can, an amazing <laughs> quote. <laughs> but if you have the brain and thinking a bit too much, you are slowing down too. Yeah. But because I want it, I'm, I think I'm able to, to do both. And um, like he's doing Dovizioso and he's pretty strong. But when people are telling, ah, he's missing something to Dovizioso, he's maybe missing this... Um, um, crazy things sometimes that we can naturally find from the young guy that's why a team someone prefer bet on a young one because if he's doing few mistakes he has time to, to recover them if a guy from 30 years old is doing few mistakes maybe he will think twice then before repeat it or don't do it but with the experience I think this can uh, make make me stronger the day I will be ready to to fight for for the, the, the title. I feel like you can't be too cautious because even just in the last race, mm -hmm. in the last few laps of that race, you were like ridiculously quick in those difficult conditions. So maybe that balance is coming there, and we can see it kind I, of. I feel it, and that's why I'm pretty happy now because clearly with the life advantage I described before, I think I've lost a bit of the rider skill the the mindset you need f to be a champion or to be a very fast racer but now that ducati gave me the stability and feeling is coming on the bike i see that all this life adventure is is not over but is done mm. i swallow it pretty well and now i'm really back as a sportman and race by race i feel that i'm getting closer so yes the race as le mans is a nice example to things are coming and wow this for me it's the main point which bring me happiness so that's, that's why i believe uh, 
all these details will be all together. I think I can be pretty strong with the Ducati and we will see when Mark is coming back that <laughs> will he destroy all of us or will uh, how gonna be? Mm. But the, the target is to, to fight for this title with Mark or without. Bef okay, before we move on, I want to ask you then, what do you think? about that because we talk about this when we have dinner we have some beers <laughs> we talk about when mark is going to come back what world is he going to come back to has is everyone going to have come up to his level and he's going to come back and go whoa what have you guys done since i've been away or what, what do you think as a rider um it will be fast and pretty strong and fighting for for victories clearly but what he showed in uh Jerez, that in Jerez he was uh, it was another category when he, he, he almost crashed in turn four, then coming back on the track and catching every guy's uh, like, yeah, we are amateur and he's a professional rider. Uh, I think we will see a little bit less of this because he will have, even if he's a genius, I think he will need a little bit of time to be sure about what okay. he can do and to catch back these feelings he had and because it's a feeling that... He, he was like flying. Now he will need a little bit of time to, to fly again and feel the bike. Because he's a genius, he will get it very quick. But this lesson we have seen from him, uh, I think move a, a bit everyone to say, hey, we are racer, we cannot get punished uh, like we have been punished in, in Jerez. And because Fabio was winning, we say no, Okay, Fabio won't do like Mark. So I think everyone has been pushing more than what we could expect. So yes, I would say all the level is getting up. Awesome. So Mark can be a bit surprised that, wow, it's kind of many guys pretty fast. And uh, we love to fight. So I hope we brings up the, the level and he will struggle a bit more because from JRS race, we have seen we have seen we were too slow so now we move up <laughs> well you say that but then in the end he was a little bit too fast and it, I think it's an interesting one like we said about age and experience and risk and caution as well to see how that plays out because obviously it was a little bit too much risk that day and then he's had injury troubles before but this is the first time in MotoGP where he's really had to sit out maybe the you and the Dovey way of thinking will start to win out a little bit more? Um, about the age and Mark, the way has been pretty strong that like every rider, we are really always a bit scared to crash. And uh, because if we are sliding, sometimes we catch it back, but many times we crash. Mark was catching up uh, many crashes uh, when he's sliding. so. The crash was not, he uh, was not scared anymore about the, the, the crash. The falling down, it's part of, of the riding style for him. So that's why he could try even more than the others because it's inside him, he will catch it back. Not all the time, but mostly every time. So I think this helped him to really rise up the level and be much stronger than all the others. Till this moment, he got the bad one. So um, he will think maybe not twice, but he will 
staying long time and get this big injury, clearly this maybe will not stop him at all, but um, yeah, make him think a little bit more or maybe get a little bit more hesitation as we all have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. self-preservation. Um, but now what he's leaving must be very difficult for him because he's always giving more than 100%. And now he's every day at the gym, have re-education of the arm, of all the body. So when he will come, he will be physically, he's already seems stronger than the other, but now he will be even more. So <laughs> it can be very dangerous for this reason. And um, we have to see. Uh, just about skills, I think we, everyone wise up the level, so we will, he will have less advantage, but from the, the hunger, uh, this will be, you will have, I think, uh, a good accumulation of the hunger. <laughs> so, um, well, no, that's a really interesting perspective. Uh, thank you for that. I wanted to, um, so let, let's switch back to talking about uh, about you and your background in bikes and everything, because with being so experienced, double world champion, ridden nearly every MotoGP bike, it might actually get lost when people think about you, about where you started. So can you tell us about your first experiences with motorcycles, where the passion came from, your upbringing with motorcycle racing? Talk to us about that. The really first experience, I was nine, uh, close to my home, uh, really three minutes uh, by car. Um, it was a go-kart track and my daddy wanted that I try some go-kart just for, for fun. Mm -hmm. And when I came to this track, I saw a, a motorbike just to have also 10 minutes of motorbike, but it was some dirt. And uh, I said, no, no, I just want to try the motorbike. I don't <laughs> want to try the go-kart. But okay, anyway, you are. <laughs> and when I was trying, then the, um, the boss of the track that he was there with the, also at the bar, uh, it was like the main one from, uh, from the circle. <laughs> so yeah, we can see that your your son is doing some motorbike. Uh, he's pretty good at it. But my daddy said, oh, it's first time uh, I wanted to go kart, but he's, he wants the, <laughs> the motorbike. Oh, that's great. So I asked to, get, to come again a few times. And, uh, and then he said, try to go to the next city. There is a, a moto club, a, a club with the young guys that at least he can enjoy with young guys. So it really started in that, in that moment in 99, 2000. And um, and there I've been racing a little bit, but my daddy didn't know anything about motorbike, and we yeah. we were not doing nothing on some races, but always like not pretty good experience. And then we met this guy, this uh, ex coach and manager, that this guy knew about motorbike, and we could listen him and do with him. And from that moment, I would say so. I was already 13, so almost it's a little bit later than a few ah yeah guys, much better yeah. than all the others <laughs> that's why i'm champion at 25 and not at 18. <laughs> yeah. clearly it's almost this gap and uh i would say around 13 14 years old when i met this this coach the real passion about motorbike came before yeah i wanted it i like it but the the also the passion about the story and all the riders, what they did, which which back came around 14, listening the, the scotch. So I would say I got a first 
motorbike experience and then the real passion for racing around 14. Okay, that's interesting. So it was definitely you on the bike before you watched TV and saw mm. racing and really and thought, it was oh, funny because, like I was totally in my world. You are nine yeah. or 10 <laughs> years old. So I was racing with the small bike or doing with the friends, uh, with the friends, with the other small riders at, um, at the city next to my home. And, but my parents were never watching uh, motorbikes or Formula One. They're, wow. they're not from this realm. My daddy loves rugby. That's all. <laughs> so and I remember once to see, so it was 2000, to see the Valentino Rossi's bike. And it was a race. I don't know where. But I, I, I see this image of the yellow bike from Valentino when he was with the NSR 500 Honda. And I said, oh, they are doing like me. It was not <laughs> me I'm doing like them. But, oh, I love it. Oh, they are, they are doing like me. So really, you are 10 years old. And when you are a baby, or you are the main one. That's yeah, what yeah, they were you're doing. You're the center yeah. of your own world, aren't you, Ben? And I, I really remember. So I think it was, yeah, two, 2000 when, uh, when I, I started to, to race with the other guys. But I was just doing this uh, on the parking. And um, I'm never watching at at home that because it's not coming from my parents the motorbike it's really me I've been asking for it. Oh, cool. That's so, such a great story. So from there then now you're a very professional rider one of the <laughs> elite in the entire world. Uh, How did you get here then? You're rookies cup champion in the first year of it. 2007. Um, yeah, so quite a while ago now. But <laughs> that gap then. How do you go from your car park to the rookies? And then from there, we can see a little bit more. But how, how did you kind of make it into a professional world of racing? And then it's a long story. And uh, maybe in Italy and in Spain, they are able to find some championship to then find riders and then help them to bring them to the as a professional rider. In France, we still have problems to find a real way or a real school or a way to explain how to do it or a way to do. Um, and for the listeners, remember, Fabio won the Spanish championship as it was at the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> when I met this guy when I was 14, he said, in France, they don't know anything. So we have to race in Italy. So we went to Italy to race in mini moto in pocket bike. That's why I say uh, we, st we are missing this, uh, this base in France to, to build it up that I hope I can not create it but yeah find a way because with my experience we can understand that it's possible to do it even if you don't have everything yeah. uh, ready and even if you don't have all the way ready for it like, and even if your mm. parents when you're three aren't like get on the bike yeah, get yeah. on the bike because they are the story like yeah. the, the Marquez uh, brother clearly I think the um, the father was with a big passion he and because they were in Spain, they were also hearing that the young, the children can race. Mark was really many gifts for for the motorbike. So they have been pushing. Mm. Then Emilio Alzamora find really good skills in Mark. They did it. And then Alex is almost following. So doesn't mean it has been easy for Alex, but we can understand that if he is doing well in the races, then the way is already made because it's kind of clear 
and um, then he has other problem with all the pressure but that's mm -hmm. not another another, another, another speech, that's yeah. the downside to yeah. that, and, isn't um, it? <laughs> but yeah we need to create so I cannot really explain how because I've lived a lot of things uh, even after the rookies cup mm. my daddy because he's not from this sport for him to be a professional rider means you can get paid already doesn't mean you are paid uh, millions but you get a salary at least and now in the beginning in one to five you had to pay the teams to to, yeah, to race yeah. and for him it was no way to pay a teams for racing okay you pay at the beginning because it's your passion you but then if you're a professional you cannot sell your house for racing for him it was crazy he, he doesn't have enough passion for motorbike to to make it real they say no for me i will not sell my my house to do it so that's why for my coach for him this was normal but then uh, i was living with my coach we found some sponsors and we pushed a lot to find the budget and um so already i was 17 so it's not like 14 or 15 you're already growing up you understand the things and you see that is clearly not easy at all but you want to do it and you have a coach that is more crazy than you and with full passion so you follow him and we do it together and um but i can also understand the the way of thinking from my from my father that yeah you can pay but if then you are professional you must find a way to don't don't sell your house you you are professional so i think this maybe grew up in the time they are I don't know now really how he's working in Moto3, but we can see that maybe all the riders from the VUR46, yeah. they are not paying to race. They are maybe, they are getting a little bit of thing to, to live at home. So they are professional, real professional. So all this way helped me to, to learn things. And when I won the Red Bull Rookies Cup, it was not like now that if you win, maybe you can go straight to Akia, your team, that it's professional and it's almost down. No, it was the first year, so didn't really know what to do next. Mm. So I was not believing in their project after the Rookies Cup, so I, I quit also in that time. Wow. Really the story I was going to uh, say, looking at your record, there's a gap there. Yeah. Before yeah, yeah. you then turn I did in 2008, the beginning of 2008, almost the same that I did in August 2019. So it's kind of my character also, <laughs> this thing. And... Um, So then I've been working in Hungary, uh, doing some exhaust system uh, in uh, like working yeah. in Hungary, like, like a doing exhaust job. Yeah. job. And from yeah. so I did I did things uh, to to catch the professional uh, and then to be where I am now. It will be too long to explain, <laughs> yeah. but clearly uh, I hope at least in France we can explain a bit the way clearly not easy clearly you have to spend money because it's not uh, football or swimming uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a mechanic sport so it's normal that it costs money but then because it costs money you can find some sponsor around already at the beginning to help people coming up as they are doing in Italy and in Spain. That's the best example. Is, is that the reason then kind of almost like one of the reasons behind doing this film to show people this is what it takes and to, to make, it a make it seem more of a reality to the French people to say, if you want to be a rider like me, 
here's what you have to do. Is that part of the reason for doing that? Or um, no, I think the, the movie doesn't explain it in no. this way. Maybe a little bit uh, difficult to say. Uh, yeah, they will understand. I'm kind of a special case, and they, yeah, yeah. but from this special case, maybe it can give motivation to to create something. Because now, if you just watch the movie and you think I want to do the same, you have to leave the family, leave. Yeah, go away from home, go to live with another family that they are ready to sacrifice everything yeah. uh, from the life to make a young guy catching the dreams because it's also the dream of the of the coach. So, um, so then you are doing this to to win. You are doing this also to get money because then there is a moment where. You have to eat, so because you are a winner, then you can get money, and then maybe the life is more cool. Mm. But then all these things is not is not working all in that way. Um, so, f long story. Then it's not only a podcast that we can do. <laughs> maybe a second episode <laughs> in the future. So okay, well, winning then, winning. Let's talk about that. You not won a Moto2 race before you won the World Championship, right? That was the first year when you did mm -hmm. it. So you had a couple of years with some podiums. I think you had one year where you were 10th-ish, I think, overall. Then you got some podiums. And then you moved into Aki's team, which obviously Aki's had such incredible success in the paddock. Mm -hmm. You must have felt some pressure. But then straight away, you're winning. You're like fighting for that championship. How did that feel different then? Because like we said, you were like 25, 24, 25 when you moved into there. Were you like, okay, this is it now? When you begin to win, firstly, you are so happy. But because you accumulate, not frustration, but this scare that when you feel good, then you can lose it quickly. Um, you are careful. Even when you win, you say, no, stay focused to the next one because you want to win again. Because maybe you can lose it in, in a moment. So when it happens, you because to catch it was long, then you don't lose the focus. That's maybe the advantage that I could catch the, the title. And also when I have been winning with Aki, then it was like confirming that all what I was believing, I was I was right to, to believe in it because my feeling was not far from very good things but was not coming and when it's coming okay so catch it uh, keep it not catch it keep it and then it should work well plus the team that is also always working on all these details to 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 be champion and win races mm. so um for me yeah, it's only with Aki that i got this uh, because i got it in one two five cc I got a victory in one to five, fighting for title, it has been with him. And then when I moved to Moto2 with him, I don't know if it's his character, his way to be, the way to also control all the mm. mechanics and the technician. You feel the team is made for, for it. It's, yeah, uh, they are really, works, right? yes. And if you maybe feel a bit too much um, enthusiastic, is there to 
bring you back to to He's to the health. Yes. Finished discipline. When you are young, <laughs> it helps uh, a lot. So um, I won, but then the story with Tech Three when I move up to MotoGP, I really lived great moments. Even if I didn't get victories, but I got races like victories and. Mm. But the difference with Aki, I was with a full French team. So I was scared that maybe we, because it's our country, our language, yeah. we will have too much fun and not enough good work. <laughs> and we had both. And I really from 2017, I really start to enjoy even more my, my race weekend to move to another circuit because I was, I knew I will, have fun plus I will have good work and this when you have this combination like we can see from Mark it's it creates magic yeah. yeah but you cannot do it when you are 18 19 20 it's because you have to grow up also mm. I was already 26 27 two world titles so then you open to you you step by step open yourself to to the world plus you are ready to to work well and when you have this combination, uh, then life is nice. I feel I feel we've almost come full circle, almost to the start where we get to a point. You're talking about you, you're you were happy then, and you're happy now. I really think that's that's the main thing to come from this. It's it's nice to hear that you're happy now in in your racing. And, and it's everything. exciting to see the move to Pramac as well, and yeah. you getting on the Ducati because just love the battles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so before we leave before before we let you go because we're running out of time we have a, a, a small quick fire questions segment so it's called the kenwood quick fire thank you to kenwood for sponsoring this segment as always um so the kenwood quick fire always starts with a very simple question which is what do you prefer coffee or tea coffee <laughs> good choice thought, even thought as a brit it. i'm like coffee all day <laughs> uh, what's the best place you've ever been um holiday or race circuit yeah you, you can choose anywhere in the world but about racing yeah but or, or outside um there's always philip island particular moment there but then out of racing i did maldive uh, last year oh yeah and clearly it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> um what was your what is your best race so far in your career um i will choose um when it's a victory it's kind of your best race uh so some victories the second world title also i won the race plus the title and here i remember all the thoughts i got during the the weekend and then this result i got in the race I started the race with the pressure to win the championship. I got a gap uh, of points with the guy, so it was kind of easier for me. But I really start with, for Rins and for Luti, I say, if they are winning, if they, w if they win, I will be happy for them. Oh. So, and, but sincerely, this was in my mind. But at the end, I won. <laughs> so, <laughs> better for me. But, <laughs> but I didn't almost to don't think about the pressure. I say, be happy in any way because they deserve it. So be happy for them. Mm. Okay, I've been lucky that it was me. So this just for the the way I've been thinking and the way, not only thinking, but feeling deep in, inside me, 
uh, this race is a really strong member. Uh, what about three people, living or dead, that you would invite to a dinner party or to dinner? First, he's not dead yet. <laughs> uh, it's uh, McCartney, Paul McCartney. Ah, good choice. <laughs> to share a moment with him uh, and overall with my brother that is a huge fan of him. Ah, yeah. And I would love, maybe with my little, little notoriety, meet him once. Maybe have an event with him and playing guitar and then, okay, let's go for dinner. <laughs> and my brother is there and then we, we spend, uh, so with Paul, McCartney, this will be just amazing, but it's only one. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if I say... Well, well the uh, other one is your brother. <coughs> yeah, the yeah. brother, but I'm meeting with him every night. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he doesn't count. And then can be a spotman. Um, Really, as a person, uh, even if we are fighting and then there is, uh, there is the Valentino for the race weekend and I think there is uh, the Valentino in the life, yeah. I think we can have a nice also dinner uh, together speaking about different stuff. I think he's uh, anyway an interesting guy. And... Um, this then, is this is an exciting party so far. Paul McCartney, Valentino Rossi, you. <laughs> He's going to be the third one. I think now I cannot be together because with all the things I can speak with Paul McCartney, then Valentino will say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, go, I go to the ranch, I'm getting boring. <laughs> so, um, but let's say maybe just, uh, just uh, with Paul uh, McCartney is... That, that's oh, really that's nice. The that's the coolest answer we've had so far about that. Uh, okay, you, right, this is a specific one for you. Oh, then the Ringo. It's already a second one Ringo. from the Beatles. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can only listen to one genre of music for the rest of your life. Rock, classical, whatever. Which genre do you choose? Genre? Genre, type of music. Ah. Classical, ah, genre, rock, okay. whatever. Choose one music for the, all the rest of my life. Um, wow, tough one. It's hard. When you though, listen right? a lot of yeah. songs in the car, the one is coming in my mind is a song for a man from Elton John that is not uh, singing a lot, but it's just a long time with the piano. Or now another one, maybe I would choose this one, um, Paul Simon and Engar Funkel, hmm? uh, oh. Bridge Over Trouble Water. Yeah, yeah that's maybe the so the pure one I could uh, listen for all my life. Brilliant. So, um, what about the most inspirational person that you've met or that you think is an inspiration for you? I did not meet him, and that's one. This now is coming to my mind that, yeah, Paul McCartney and Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> Oh, well, I okay. was. I had sports. Zidane at the back yeah. of my mind with the French Clearly, connection. Clearly, I think he's the one. Overall, for what I'm living now, that I'm 30 years old, thinking I'm getting old or not, <laughs> and uh, and he said during interviews that 30 years old was his best age for him, because he was strong physically, plus he had the experience. So I want to use all of these that. words, yeah, all of that for for my racing. Awesome. experience so yeah he's the one that always even when he answered to the interview it's, it's clear what he say 
It's simple, but it works. Okay, so final question then. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, during my second world title, this season where I've been one moment a bit struggling because of pressure and losing many points. I get some advantage during the season in the championship, then I lost this advantage. And my daddy told me, uh, I think you have your, your feelings are all right. Your, your instinct is right. So if you are wondering a bit too much, follow this instinct that uh, you did it when you were young, when you left the home, just to do motorbike and you did well. Look, well, you already were champion once. So during the second title, he told me it. Just if you, if you don't know, follow your, your instinct, what you feel. And I think from this, then I really enjoy also the, the next races and I've been world champion again. So yeah, if I have to say one advice, when he told me, uh, trust your feelings, uh, they, are, they are good. You are, you are not wrong. <laughs> and, and from your dad as well. That's really great. Well, thank you very much, Ken, with Quickfire. Yes, thank you so um, much for joining okay. us. Yeah, no, Johan, that's been really insightful. Appreciate I expect five-minute podcast, but I enjoy to answer. <laughs> oh, good. Well, no, that's the main thing then. You enjoyed it. You <laughs> mark the day. <laughs> well, thank you very much. No, good luck this weekend. You. See you. So, hope you enjoyed that one. Next week, we'll be back with more. Not going to spoil with who yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we always do your things to search out on the internet. My pick from Zarko is quite a niche one. And it's uh, Malaysia 2016 qualifying when he took pole by 2.134 seconds, I think the gap was. Tricky conditions drying out and he absolutely blissed it. I think blissed, blitzed it. I think that's one of the most impressive displays I've seen from him, obviously, as well as his premier class podiums. And of course, the film. Yeah, the film. I mean, I got to admit, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that was coming out. I think I've heard some little rumors, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it sounds like it's going to be good, hey? Yeah, I watched the I watched the teaser actually before coming to record this uh, intro and outro segment. Now, spoiler alert: we did it a different time, um, <laughs> so sue us. Um, but the actual teaser was uh, w- was really interesting. I can't wait to see that, and I thoroughly recommend you keep an eye on when that's coming out. Um, but next week, well, as in our next episode, I'm not, we're not going to tell you what we got, but we're recording here in a couple of days' time we at are. the Terrell Grand Prix. Um, this comes out this Monday so yes we're recording a couple of days time it's a huge star not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to jinx it because <laughs> no <laughs> not lucky won't come <laughs> yeah we'll find out won't we and uh, yeah hopefully we'll bring you more uh, premier class superstar chat coming up next week but thanks for joining us as ever let us know what you think with the hashtag MotoGP podcast please be kind and we'll see you again soon yeah.